Shalom, and welcome to this week's Think Jewish. Today's class is called Bipartisanship, Understanding Both Sides of the Aisle. An introduction. On June 16, 1850, close to two centuries ago, Abraham Lincoln has warned us that a house divided against itself cannot stand. I believe this government cannot endure permanently. End quote. Close to 3,350 years ago, the Torah warned us of the same. It did so in this week's Torah portion in its opening verse. And these are the offspring of Isaac, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. If Isaac is the son of Abraham, then obviously Abraham begot Isaac. Why then would the Torah doubly express this relationship between Abraham and Isaac? The reason is because the Torah is telling us that, quote, a house divided against itself cannot stand. I believe this government cannot endure permanently, end quote. Let us first understand what Abraham Lincoln is telling us. A government, in order to be a true, fear and functional representation and governing body of the people, must have different opinions amongst themselves, including extreme opinions. Why then is it that a government divided against itself within their opinions cannot stand? However, Abraham Lincoln does not state that a government divided in opinions cannot stand. Rather, he states that a government divided against itself cannot stand. There is a huge difference between a government's necessity to have within itself two sides of the aisle, with even extreme different opinions, and a government divided against itself. The government that is divided against itself is that of a government with two sides of the aisle that seek to negate each other. When two sides of the aisle fundamentally believe that each need to stand alone, separated from each other, that is the government that cannot stand. The two sides of the aisle that are necessary to form one government are the reflection of the two sides of the aisle that are needed to create a functional human being. It is the balance between kindness and strictness. For the purpose of simplicity, we will at this point define them strictness as justice. In a moment, we will get more complicated yet more humanistic and define them as love and fear. A kindness that is not willing to be subjected to justice will become abusive and breed dysfunction. A justice that is not willing to subjugate itself to an influence of kindness will breed lack of tolerance and prejudice. Neither will long endure. The balance between the two, in which the government is not fundamentally divided against itself, is the only government that can stand.
Let us take this one layer deeper. Kindness seeks for an influence of giving that can be received in a healthy form by its recipient. This, and only this, is the true soul and desire of kindness. A kindness that cannot be healthily received in the polar is the polar opposite of what kindness seeks to achieve. The latter influence of giving, which will create a self-destruction of the recipient, is, by the standards of kindness, no kindness at all. Said in yet another way, the sole focus of kindness is not its giving, but rather it is the sole focus of the recipient's receiving. Thus, the functionality of the recipient created by the giving is the sole focus of the kindness. Thus, kindness by definition is a kindness only when it is filtered through the functional guidelines of justice. So too it is with strictness and justice. To quote a verse of our high holiday prayers, quote, It is not for the death of the sinner that God desires, Rather, it is for the return, the repentance of the sinner that God desires. End quote. The sole purpose of justice is to create a sustainable environment of living for the imperfect human nature. Was human nature to be intrinsically perfect, there would be no need for a justice system at all. Sustainability for the imperfect needs kindness. Thus, for justice to achieve its sole goal and purpose, it must be opened to the influence of kindness. Let us now take it to the more humanistic level. The emotion of fear has really received a bad rap in our generation. We view fear as toxic to our soul, mind, and heart. There is nothing to fear, but fear itself is the mantra of our generation. I think that it is time to re revisit this notion of fear. In the mystical teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus, fear is actually more revered than love. Fear is the manifestation of the first and primary letter of God's ineffable tetragrammaton, the letter Yud while love is only the second and lower level of letter of God's name, the letter He. However, before assigning value to love or fear, let us first understand them through the eyes of Jewish mysticism. There are two levels of fear and the same exists for love. There is the lower fear and there is the higher fear. The reason for this is that human emotions are the birth children of perception. Because there is the lower perception and the higher perception due to us having both an, an animalistic soul, egocentric, selfish, and a godly soul, theocentric, selfless, thus we have two levels of emotions. Let us go straight to a practical example. What primarily stops a person from betraying his or her spouse? 
it is the emotion of fear. However, the emotional maturity of the individual, whether it is at a level of selfishness or of selflessness, will define what that fear is. If they live at the lower selfish perception, then their fear is, what will happen to me if I get caught? However, if they live within the higher perception, then their fear is about what will happen to my loved one if I get caught. This is a simple portrayal of the difference between the higher fear and the lower fear. Let's take it up a level. Higher fear isn't about the cause and effect of pain caused by badness, even upon the one we love. Rather, higher fear in its most emotional mature stage is about the awe and reverence that we experience by being close brought close to a greatness and beauty when a spouse sees how amazing and awesome his or her spouse is this implants humility appreciation and a drive of gratitude toward this awesome person in their life Thus, on a deeper level of emotional maturity, the difference between higher fear and lower fear is that lower fear is created by distance and the fear of loss of the relationship, while higher love is created by closeness and by having a relationship. Now we can more lovingly embrace fear as it is a commandment of the Torah Quote, and God your Lord you shall fear, end quote. More so, we can now calmly and appreciatively understand that to love without fear is to have an incomplete relationship. Yet far deeper than this, appreciation for the emotion of fear in a relationship is to embrace that without the lower fear we cannot sustain our lower love and without a higher love we cannot experience higher fear let us now move on to a biblical story of a government divided against itself the mystical insight of the first verse of our Torah portion is built upon the mystical teaching that Abraham was the embodiment of the divine emotion of love and Isaac was the embodiment of the divine emotion of fear. Thus, the order of the verse now takes on a full understanding. First it states Isaac, the son of Abraham, and then it states Abraham begot Isaac. For the order of a healthy, functional, and wholesome relationship is based on first having lower fear, Isaac, which allows for a sustainable lower love, Abraham. Then one can emotionally mature into a higher love, Abraham, which makes possible the greater experience in a relationship, higher fear, Isaac. Now, let me take you to a biblical story of a government that was divided against itself and how this government feared at the end. Moses was commanded by God to appoint Aaron, his brother, as the high priest. After which, 
Moses' cousin, Korach the Levite, rose in rebellion, demanding that he must be the high priest. Kabbalah and Hasidus bring us to the soul of the story. Aaron was a man of kindness, as our sages teach us in Ethics of Our Fathers, that Aaron loved peace, pursued peace, and loved all creations. Additionally, Aaron was a Kohen, a man whose job it was to help people return and repent through bringing a sacrifice in the Holy Temple. Korach was a Levite, a man of justness and strictness. Korach thought that the high priesthood needs to be of justice and strictness of a Levite and not of the kindness of a Kohen. The Talmud tells us that Koach was a very smart man. What was he thinking? Amazingly enough, our sages tell us that the smartest of all men, King Solomon, made the same mistake and was also punished by it. In Kings, the book of Kings, we are taught that in the times of King Solomon, he allowed it to become that silver had no worth in the face of the extreme wealth of gold. In Kabbalah and Hasidus, gold represents fear, while silver represents love. Our sages tell us that King pa Solomon was punished for this, and God said, quote, Being that you allowed for silver to lose its worth, you will need the kindness, silver, love, of man, and you will not find it. And so it was when King Solomon evolved into Kohelet, exiliastics. What was King Solomon, the wisest of all men, thinking when he viewed no worth of love in the face of fear? To understand this, we look into the perfection of the human and of the world that will exist in the times of the Messianic era. Today, Jewish law is dominated by the opinion of the House of Hillel. However, in the times of Mashiach, the law will be reverted and it will be dominated by the opinion of the House of Shammai. Hillel's opinion is always, besides seven times, of leniency, while Shammai's opinion is always, besides the seven times, of stringency. Why then would we go from leniency to stringency? The answer lies in the verse, The left reaches under my head, and the right embraces me. When we embrace and hug, we embrace at chest height. Thus left reaches higher than right does. It reaches under the head. Justice breeds perfection, while kindness doesn't. In yet a deeper teaching upon the left, the Hebrew term is givurah, which while it is correctly translated as strictness and justice, the deepest sense of the word givurah is strength. A strong man is called a gibur. Thus, there is a whole higher dimension to the left, which is the concept of an overwhelmingly strong influence of giving in which the left is the more powerful experience of kindness, of giving. 
See this as the difference between a mild rain, kindness, and a tropical thunderstorm, strength. The latter brings far more water, which is the sustenance of life. This is what King Solomon was thinking. The ultimate experience of perfection and even the ultimate experience of giving lies in the left. Thus, in the face of an abundance, strength of gold, why give any value to silver? New makes sense. If so, why was King Solomon punished? The answer is that Mashiach hasn't come yet. In our times, what we need to experience is simple kindness, tolerance, and understanding. Presently, in times of suffering and confusion, what we need is empathy for each other, justice, and even the sense of an overwhelmingly strong giving of kindness must be dominated by simple kindness so that it may be sustainable in a healthy, empowering way. Therefore, Abraham is the father of Isaac, and Isaac must remain the son of Abraham. There is an amazing story of a rabbi who was collecting funds for a poor family. He knocked on the wealthy man's door on a cold Russian night. And standing by the open door, he began to explain the wealthy man the plight of the poor family. Again and again, the wealthy man invited the rabbi in, and the rabbi repeatedly refused, standing in the open doorway, continuing on with his conversation. The wealthy man gave the rabbi a very large donation for the poor family, and then he asked the rabbi, Why? the rabbi refused coming into the warm home, to which the rabbi explained that he needed the wealthy man to feel the pain of the coldness that the poor family experienced. This is why the wealthy man gave a larger donation to help the poor family. My friends, he who is not gentle, tolerant, and emphatic with him or herself will not be so with others. The morale of this class is not just about how to treat other, others, but greater yet, it is about how we must treat ourselves. We must have strictness and justice dominated by kindness and understanding towards ourselves, even if it costs us the higher achievements of perfection available to us only through strictness and justice. Then, we can make it the way we educate our children, relate to our spouse, and interact with others. In closing, let us return to our opening theme of bipartisanship and understanding of both sides of the aisle. We are facing a time when both the government and the nation have become divided against itself. We have digressed from issues to sides of the aisle. Each side of the aisle today ridicules the very existence of the other side of the aisle. Opinions today concerning scandals, political views, and policies are driven not by the philosophy of any given side of the aisle as much as, as it is driven by the party label that any specific issue carries. Thus, Abraham's, Abraham Lincoln's wisdom 
carries today as deeply as it carried on June 16, 1850. Let us learn from history rather than, God forbid, being subjected to relive it. Especially that the global involvement of a weak or destructed American government is lethal far beyond the destruction of the Civil War that Abraham Lincoln had to lead our country through. It is ridiculous to truly believe that a government of democracy can exist with only either one side of the aisle. Each needs to be balanced by the other. We must maintain the balance of Isaac and Abraham being of one family, balancing out the sanity, health, and functionality of the wholesomeness of the home. United States of America. Abraham, kindness, liberalism, without Isaac, justice, conservatism, breeds codependency. While Isaac, justice, conservatism, without Abraham, kindness, liberalism, breeds a form of dominance of classes, with an upper class versus a lower class, diminishing the existence of a middle class. Thus, there is the necessity for a balancing of the aisles through the existence of each other. However, America has been coined by the Rebbe of blessed memory to also be the power of kindness. In the present state of instability of the world, of the economy, and of the mindset of people, this exile demands that the balance between strictness and kindness be tipped to the dominance of kindness over strictness and justice so that we as a people can survive and thrive until the era of world peace and perfection be brought to us by Mashiach. May it be now.